Welcome to Community Universalist Church. We are an inclusive online community that has come together to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, provide instruction in the Christian Universalist faith, and provide a place for people from all over the world to worship together. We support one another in faith and love so that we may in turn faithfully serve God wherever we are called to do so. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you love, no matter what you believe or what you don't believe, you are invited to worship with us today. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. The boy grew and stopped nursing. On the day he stopped nursing, Abraham prepared a huge banquet. Sarah saw Hagar's son laughing, the one Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham. So she said to Abraham, send the servant away with her son. The servant's son won't, won't secure the inheritance with my son Isaac. This upset Abraham terribly because the boy was his son. God said to Abraham, Don't be upset about the boy and your servant. Do everything Sarah tells you to do, because your descendants will be traced through Isaac. But I will make of your servant's son a great nation too, because he is also your descendant. Abraham got up early in the morning, took some bread and a flask of water, and gave it to Hagar. He put the boy in her shoulder sling and sent her away. She left and wandered through the desert near Beersheba. Finally, the water in the flask ran out, and she put the boy down under one of the desert shrubs. She walked away from him, about as far as a bow shot, and sat down, telling herself, I can't bear to see the boy die. She sat at a distance, cried out in grief, and wept. God heard the boy's cries, and God's messenger called to Hagar from, from heaven and said to her, Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy's cries over there. Get up, pick up the boy and take him by the hand, because I will make of him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well. She went over, filled the water flask, and gave the boy a drink. God reminded, remained with the boy. He grew up, lived in the desert, and became an expert archer. He lived in the Paran Desert, and his mother found him an Egyptian wife. Here ends the reading. A reading from the Psalms. Lord, Listen closely to me and answer me, because I am poor and in need. Guard my life, because I am faithful. Save your servant who trusts in you. You, my God, have mercy on me. Lord, because I cry out to you all day long. Make your servant's life happy again, because, my Lord, I offer my life to you. Because, my Lord, you are good and forgiving, full of faithful love for all those who cry out to you. Listen closely to my prayer, Lord. 
pay close attention to the sound of my requests for mercy. Whenever I am in trouble, I cry out to you because you will answer me. My Lord, there is no one like you among the gods. There is nothing that can compare to your works. All the nations that you've made will come and bow down before you, Lord. They will glorify your name because you are awesome and a wonder worker. You are God, just you. Here ends the reading. A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. So what are we going to say? Should we continue sinning so grace will multiply? Absolutely not. All of us died to sin. How can we still live in it? Or don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too could walk in newness of life. If we were united together in a death like his, we will also be united together in a resurrection like his. This is what we know. The person that we used to be was crucified with him in order to get rid of the corpse that had been controlled by sin. That way we wouldn't be slaves to sin anymore, because the person who has died has been freed from sin's power. But if we died with Christ, we have faith that we will also live with him. We know that Christ has been raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. He died to sin once and for all with his death, but he lives for God with his life. In the same way, you also should consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive for God in Christ Jesus. Here ends the reading. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Disciples aren't greater than their teacher, and slaves aren't greater than their master. It's enough for disciples to be like their teacher and for slaves to be like their master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebul, it's certain that they will call the members of the household by even worse names. Therefore, don't be afraid of those people because nothing is hidden that won't be revealed, and nothing secret that won't be brought out into the open. When I say to you in the darkness, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, announce from the rooftops. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Instead, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a small coin? but not one of them will fall to the ground without your father knowing about it already. Even the hairs on your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before people, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But everyone who denies me before people, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. Don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. 
I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. People's enemies are members of their own household. Those who love father or mother more than me aren't worthy of me. Those who love son or daughter more than me aren't worthy of me. Those who don't pick up their crosses and follow me aren't worthy of me. Those who find their lives will lose them. And those who lose their lives because of me will find them. Here ends the reading. When I was going through a seminary, which is the graduate school program that most ministers in the U.S. are required uh, to go through as part of their process, their ministerial process, I was a member of the uh, what we called the queer the queer alliance at Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary, where I attended which was a group of uh, LGBT and LGBT allies who were members of the seminary, uh, who were you know, students in, at the seminary. And one of the things that we did as a group is we attended the Austin uh, Pride Festival. I bring this up because it's currently Pride Month uh, and people are celebrating Pride. Pride is a, an event to celebrate our LGBTQ plus community and to remember all of the hardship and the, um, the persecution that they have suffered over the years. So it was in the summer of my, um, my first year, I think at APTS that I first took part in the pride parade walking with other members of APTS. Uh, and uh, actually, I think I walked the parade twice with two different groups. <laughs> but it was also during the summer when I was wearing my collar uh, as a uh, experiment to see how that affected people's view of me and how that uh, changed the way that people interacted with me. And so I decided to wear my collar to the Pride Festival. I wore my, my the same kind of shirt with the same kind of collar. Uh, without the uh, without the stole, of course, but just just the shirt like this, and with my I had my my cross, the same as here, my, my Celtic cross, and uh, it was quite an experience. I I had um, of course been familiar with the LGBT uh, community in Austin for for some time, and. Although at that point, I wasn't really considering myself part of that community yet. I, I was still dealing with that in my own, uh, my own process. I was very close to it and I had lots of friends in that community. And we, so we went to the pride parade and we dressed up in my, in my collar. And I was not the only one. I was there with three other students, uh, who were also wearing clerical collars and we, they had signs. I, I wasn't, I didn't have any signs. It was just me. But we enjoyed walking, walking the parade route and seeing people. And uh, there were a few people who reacted very strongly 
to my presence at the parade. And none of them were negative. There were no negative responses, but I had several very positive responses. And the one that I'll never forget was there was a man on the, on this, in the audience at the parade went by and he called me over and gave me a big hug and, um, was crying and was just, and told me that he was so thankful that I was there. And I remember thinking that I hadn't really done anything, <laughs> that I was just walking in the parade, um, you know, but for that person, the simple, the symbolism was so important to have somebody who not only identified as a Christian, but as a Christian minister in Christian minister garb, if you will, walking in the, in the parade and celebrating them for who they were, um, not telling them they're going to hell. It was a powerful moment for me. And it was kind of the culmination of, of many years of uh, development and, and lived experience that brought me to where I was in that moment. You know, when I was growing up in San Antonio, Texas, which is a big military town, and there, there's a lot of military there, there's a lot of the large Hispanic community, a uh, lot of uh, both Catholic churches and uh, Protestant, you know, uh, churches in town, but a, a lot of religion. And I was brought up in the Boy Scouts. The Boy Scouts were, uh, the My Boy Scout troop was connected to a Methodist church. And we attended, we didn't go to services there, but I went to the Boy Scout meetings, you know, every week. And so I was raised on church, but it was, I was very much raised in the environment of Christianity in the general community. And so for me, when I, when I was in middle school, really, and then into high school, I was trying to find out how to belong, where to belong in this religious community that was all around me. And I visited different churches. I went with, uh, with girlfriends. I went with, uh, you know, with uh, the friends from Scouts, I went with different people to their churches and experienced different forms of Christianity. I, I went to, to, um, Temple, uh, Bethel, which is a, a Jewish temple in San Antonio and, and, uh, with a, a very, very good friend of mine and experienced, uh, what Jewish worship was like. Uh, you know, I, I, learned a lot about uh, the neo-pagan community and uh, in San Antonio. And I was just trying to find my way. And, and in a lot of, in a lot of ways, what I was looking for was a community. You know, it's one thing to have your own internal ideas about God and about reality and about uh, the nature of the universe. It's a different thing to be in community with other people and, have a dynamic with them and, and uh, a discussion with them about those things and try to understand as a group how you feel and where the things are that are most important and what things are not, are not as important. And early on, I don't think I quite realized the importance of that community aspect of it. When I was in high school, I, I uh, was dating a girl who was Mormon. And so I, I went to the Mormon church, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I attended there for more than a year until 
uh, you know, the girl I had broken up and, you know, been a couple of months and I was sitting, remember I was sitting in service one day more vividly. And I was like, why am I here? I don't, I don't agree with so much of what they've said about the, the roles, uh, uh, strict roles of men and women in society and, and anti gay sentiment. I had friends who were gay and, and uh, I felt that this was, you know, not a thing that I wanted to be. I didn't want to be part of this community. And so I left and I ended up first being a, a, a in the UU church after my wife and I got married and we looked for a community for ourselves. We went to a couple of different uh, kind of non-denominational Christian churches and, and other denominational churches and ended up with the UUs. I ended up studying Buddhism for, for a while. And I finally came back around to Christianity when I was in seminary already. And thanks largely to a church in Berkeley called Grace North uh, Church, which I believe is is uh, shutting its doors soon if it hasn't already, uh, unfortunately. But that community really provided for me the first experience of a Christian community that was welcoming, a Christian community that didn't focus on who was not supposed to be there and keeping those people out. And what I learned from that experience was that a small community of very uh, engaged people who really want to be in community with you and want want to embrace you and accept you for who you are and where you are in your in your journey is much more meaningful than either being a sole practitioner and being alone in the world and, and trying to find your way or being in a large group that is so against the, all the things that you believe in. I mean, I was, you know, San Antonio is uh, the home of John Hagee and of uh, Cornerstone Church and John Hagee Ministries, huge, uh, extremely right-wing televangelist, uh, fundamentalist, you know, uh, preacher. I mean, I, I know that there are people who like to be in those large groups and be part of the crowd, but for me, I needed something in between being lost in a crowd of people who were trying to steer me in a direction I didn't want to go and being alone. And this church community I found really did that for me. And I realized that we could create those communities, that we didn't need to be part of big churches, that we didn't need to be part of large denominations even. That what was most important was that community. The title of the sermon is Why Be a Christian? One of the things that I hear a lot since becoming more vocal, especially on YouTube, about being a Christian universalist, about believing in universal reconciliation and that no one will will have will, will be uh, subject to eternal torment in hell. One of the things I, I get a lot is, well, then why be a Christian? If everyone is is saved, what's the point of of being Christian? And I mean, it's a it's an honest and and good question, right? Because you know, my my father in law just passed away. You know, he wasn't a Christian. I'm not sure what his 
what his religious beliefs would be exactly, but you know, eclectic is probably, <laughs> probably what I would say, but it would be so horrible for me to think that, that he was going to be in a state of eternal torment for all time because he didn't say the right words in life or, or, um, receive a teaching or find a community where he actually felt that sense of belonging, that sense of community that I felt when I first came to see that there's a form of Christianity that is accepting of me. If all he ever heard were the, the people shouting that he shouldn't be there, the people telling him that his lifestyle is wrong, that, that he was a sinner and uh, he couldn't be part of the community. Like so many people receive that the, the, the LGBT youth who are thrown out of their homes, um, the folks who are, who are shunned or, uh, you know, in the, in the fifties and uh, when, uh, when Clarence Jordan, took a, uh, a person that was staying with him, uh, a person of color who was staying with him, to the services at his Baptist church. They told him he couldn't come anymore. And in fact, they, they voted that he was to be removed from, from the, uh, the congregation, not allowed to come to church anymore. I mean, this is only within my parents' lifetime. This is not a long time ago. If people only ever got that message, the message that they didn't belong, then, God forbid, they should suffer for all time. So, I believe he will be reunited with, with God, just like we all will be. But then why be a Christian? Why bother if it, you can do whatever you want and end up in heaven anyway? And it's a great question. I think, for me, there are two reasons. First of all, I'll say that none of my reasons are to get out of hell. None of my reasons are because if I don't do it, I'll be punished. And I think that when you start from that perspective, from a more positive perspective of this is not about punishment, you get a lot farther. But I have two reasons. One is that being a Christian, and by being a Christian, I mean living a life devoted to Christ, a life in which I try my best to live up to the expectations and the example set by Jesus. When I live that life, I find that my life is better for it. I find I'm less stressed. I find that I forgive more easily, that I have an easier time letting go of the things that are not so important, that I make a positive impact on my community and on the people around me. I like the person that I am because I 
am a member of this community. And the other part is the community. I like the community. And it was this community that came together at a seminary in Austin to walk in the Pride Parade. Four seminary students who a year earlier had never known each other from four different Christian denominations. I was at the time with the UCC. We had a, a, a Presbyterian Church USA person. We had a person with a Baptist, uh, from a, a you know, Baptist uh, denomination. And uh, we had, I, uh, I think he was Lutheran, the, or, the, or, Episco- or Episcopalian, I can't remember, the, the fourth one, high church person. And, you know, the four of us <laughs> were, were, that never came up. Like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't important, that distinction. And that community had come together in a way to be the church, to reach out to those people who were being oppressed, to the people who were on the sidelines, to the people who were outcasts in our society in a way. To reach out to them and say, God loves you, and we want you to be part of this community with us. Come be with us. I I like that. I find I think that being part of that community is a wonderful thing. So I invite you to think about that. Why be a Christian? Whatever brought you here today, I'm sure this question must be among the things you've been thinking about. Some of you will have been raised in the church. You're Christian because everyone else is in your family, in your social circle. Some of you will uh, be a Christian because you had a moment where your life was transformed by Christ. Some of you may be lost about why you should be a Christian in the first place, or not consider yourselves a Christian at all. But whatever the the reason, I hope that you'll take this question really to heart and think about it. If the only reason to be a Christian is to prevent yourself from being punished, is that really a good motivation? Amen. May God's Holy Spirit lead you. May God's strength protect you. May God's peace be with you. Go now in the name of God, by the grace of Christ, and with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen.